0: the wild feather podcast i'm brooke dunwell serial entrepreneur sponge for life and lover of people join me as we uncover the stories of courageous female entrepreneurs founders and investors pushing beyond limitless boundaries let's explore their creative journeys and pursuits to greatness after spending 25 years in the corporate world working for large manufacturing companies. Dawn decided to take a leap into the executive coaching world. She co-founded Bench Strength Coaching with two other women, a company that coaches leaders in Fortune 50 companies. In addition, they created a Women Rising program that helps women develop and advance their careers. Dawn's passion for coaching is evident. She is brilliant, sharp, and genuine. Thank you, Don, for joining us. We're so excited to have you as a guest on the podcast.
1: Well, thank you so much, Brooke. I'm happy to be here and thank you for inviting me.
0: Yeah. So you have quite the unique story. Well, I guess it I find that it's happening more and more, but you spent the bulk of your career in large enterprise, I guess you could say, manufacturing companies, mostly automotive related. right automotive and some plumbing actually so oh interesting and then you made the switch and you started your own company which is called bench strength coaching right right so how did you make that transition in you're a founder right so how did you make the transition into being a founder and what motivated you to make that move
1: All right. Well, actually, I'm I'm a co-founder. There are three of us, and we all had similar backgrounds. Well, actually, very diverse backgrounds, but a similar path to get to coaching. And um, so I'd say that's kind of the... Um, starting point. Um, our our firm is a leadership coaching firm, and we uh, we work with companies to build better leaders and help strengthen their talent pipelines. And we've all been in executive roles in different companies. So I was in um, in human resources in automotive, and then I moved into plumbing up in the Detroit area. Um, my other one co founder, uh, Chris, she is from the banking and credit union space, and she was an executive in um, operations and compliance. And then my other partner was, um, she worked, Susan, she worked at Boeing for 30 years and she was an executive in IT. So we come at the... Um, the idea of coaching from very different places. And we all met at our coaching certification program together in 2014 is when this so kind of the dream started. And actually, yeah. we didn't even know it was a dream at the time. We knew we wanted to be coaches and we wanted to you know add that to our what we did in our arsenal of our career, but yeah. really hadn't formulated that we wanted to be founders and, and create this company at that time.
0: That's fascinating. I love that everyone comes from a different perspective.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the things that makes us really unique. And the fact that we've been in the field and in enterprises and in large corporations and even smaller corporations that we've, you know, we've kind of walked, walked the walk where mm-hmm. with the people that we're coaching have, are finding themselves. And so I think that that really makes us have a different you know, value proposition for the people we work with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So now tell us what bench strength coaching is like what, obviously you're doing various training programs, but and coaching programs, but what exactly are you focused on and what are you delivering? Yeah.
1: Mostly we're a coaching program our coaching company. We um, coach leaders and leadership teams. It's really great when we get to coach a, a full leadership team, Yeah, um, but we have a special emphasis on coaching women in leadership as well. And we do that through individual coaching, as well as our program that you refer to as the women rising program. So that's a, a more detailed leadership development program. It's a four month program for early and mid career women that we, we coach to get ready for higher levels of leadership.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I love that. We will, we'll talk about that in just a minute because I think that that's going to be fantastic value. Um, and well needed, what you're doing is well needed. I think, uh, as you know, but, um, super cool. So when it comes to bench strength, so tell us how you got started as far as how did you build, do you have employees now? Like how large are you and how it, your founders, your co-founders, aren't in this area, right? They're...
1: Right. So I'm actually not in your area anymore either. I, um, which is another part of a wonderful part of being a founder and being able to locate yourself where you want to. So I moved. To, <laughs> I moved to Florida four years ago, and um, my partners are in Seattle and in San Luis Obispo, California. Ah,
0: so that's,
1: that's where awesome. the founders are. Yeah. So we that's kind awesome. of. Um, span the, the, the United States. We, um, and then we have about 25 coaches that work with us as well. And mostly on our women rising program, but in other, um, other processes or other projects as well. But we, um, we started really, I was still in, in corporate when I started my HR certification or my coaching certification. And I was a leader of HR and uh, as a, as an HR professional, you do a lot of coaching, but not the level of coaching that I wanted to focus on. So I, I decided to get certified, and luckily I went to this program at the Hudson Institute that was really life-changing for me, and it helped me formulate that I wanted to do this more than just as part of my work, but I really wanted it to be The the primary focus of my work and the two, my two counterparts, as well as there were actually a lot of other women that we, we stayed together and stayed connected after we finished our program in 2015. And we had uh, like a continuation of, of getting together and talking about how we were thinking about building our businesses and what everyone was coaching about and what were the topics that people were bringing to coaching Mm And so that's really where we started formulating the idea of, you know, we can make a big impact with individuals that we work with one-on-one, but we thought that collectively we could, we could really make a larger impact in, in the bigger space and create better leaders throughout um, the industries that we could connect with. Yeah, so that's where okay. we started.
0: Now, you primarily focus on larger companies right now. Are those your clients? Well, our client, our
1: it's it's funny that um, our focus really was meant to be for small to mid-sized com- companies, and that's where we uh-huh. wanted to start and target. But we found that um, some of our larger companies, or larger companies, we have a solution. Our program, the Women Rising program, is really, really fits into leadership development programs. That the larger companies might be a niche that they didn't have covered in their leadership development, and rather than creating a program, which is pretty intensive to, to create a program. We've got one that's proven and it's really, um, very impactful for early and mid-career women. So Mm -hmm. we have been partnering much more with larger companies or small to, you know, mid-sized to larger companies who are focused on cohorts of women to go through programs together.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay. So your leadership coaching, like, I'm sure there are leaders in the companies that think, I'm a leader. I already know what I need to know. Oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need training. I don't need coaching, whatever Probably. the case may be. So how do you rally those folks? And is there always the same end goal? Like, is there um, a target for each of the coaching? Or is it tailor-made for each of the and do they even know what they need when they reach yeah. out to you or how does all that work? sounds well, like a lot there, of qualifying. <laughs> there
1: are a lot of qualifiers. <laughs> I think, that you know, we, we really do like to focus on working with people who recognize the value in coaching already. So it's yeah. not really a, a sell of what coaching can do for you um, because that's very helpful to have – people who have either experienced it or have heard from others who have experienced it and have had, you know, really good results from, from, from leadership coaching. Um, yeah, you can, you can get to a point where people, if you've got somebody who thinks that there's nothing else that they can learn or any better that they can be, um, those are people that we don't really want to work with. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) But you have like one or two in the whole leadership team or is everyone typically on board?
1: Well, you sometimes you have to get people to recognize, you know, what is it that they can work on? So there Uh are different tools that we use to help with that. You know, some people will come Mm -hmm. to a program or to a coaching conversation. We'll, we'll have a client call first to just get chemistry and make sure that it's a good fit that you can work together. And Mm -hmm. hopefully they have something that they've either they know that they want to work on. To help them become a better leader, or we go and get data for them to say what are the gaps and what are places where if they could dial in in this space they could be that much better of a leader. Yeah. So most most high level and high performing leaders do know that there's places that they could still lean into to get better, or yeah. they you know they really want to figure out how to take their teams to another level, and that's um, yeah. that's where we focus in.
0: That's super cool. So you talked about using. The contract staff that you have your core team and then you use contractors from a startup standpoint, how valuable do you think it is to use contractors? I mean, that's a lot of that would be a lot of overhead. Right. But I think startups in general have the access to use contract employees more so Mm -hmm. than bigger companies. And sometimes I think that they don't take advantage of that uh, because they feel like they need to hire everyone. Talk to us about your strategy in hiring contractors and how it works for you, and like any advice you might give to anyone in a smaller startup environment.
1: Sure. Yeah, we we really did um, plan to to not hire. Um, and then to, to see, you know, where we would need to have full-time people if there's, if we even need that eventually mm-hmm. we, um, we are all, you know, in a different place in our careers. We've had our, our full-time careers where we worked 70 hours a week. And we, that's one of the things as a basic tenet that we all agree that that's not where we want to go back to. So, right. um, and we are also work with people who have had their careers or may still be working and wanting to be coaches, but not having the opportunity to be out of that enterprise or corporate life yet. So right. they're part of our team as well. So it really does lend itself. The the people that we work with have... Um, are either kind of the gig in that gig economy and wanting to put pieces together or they have Mm -hmm. their own businesses that they're managing and then they work with us as well. People really do, the coaches that we have that are working with us on the Women Rising program, they love it. Then they tell other coaches. And so we actually have to be really, um, we're scaling at a rate to make sure that we match what we need for our client companies, Mm -hmm. but not to get not to grow too fast and get too big before we're ready to because we we do have our overarching goals of keeping this to be the scale that we want versus where right. we think we can right. go. Yeah.
0: I think the valuable lesson there is um, keep building relationships with those people even though you may not – the demand isn't there yet, but – having the availability to reach out to those contractors when the need is there versus scrambling because you've got this huge demand, right? Mm -hmm. I'll go ahead. I'm sorry. I
1: was going to say, you know, you you talked about hiring people or thinking that you need to hire a whole team of people up front and really, you know, you don't know what you need at the beginning and what's going to fit your model. So until you, build that out and know where you're going. It's really, I think that using contractors to get started and to, to decide where, where you do need full-time people versus where you could have and keep your overhead down. I think it's a really, it's a good tool to use for startups.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Definitely keeps your run rate down. Yeah. So talk to us about this Women Rising program, because obviously we're all about successful women here on this podcast Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the journey of our um, entrepreneurship world. But I think it's awesome what you're doing and kind of talk us through exactly what your mission is in the women rising and the impact that you're making.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, we're, we're really excited about the program and how um, impactful it's been. We didn't, when we started, we really didn't know that it was going to be as much of the focus of our company as it is, but we took a lot of information from, you know, our experiences and, you know, having navigated, I was in automotive and plumbing and Susan was in Boeing and, and banking is very male dominated. So we came from really male dominated industries in a time where there weren't a lot of women, actually still not a lot of women in leadership in those areas, but more women, you know, in the grassroots in the earlier career. But we, um, so we navigated a lot in our careers. And so we kept coaching women or, you know, in, in various levels of leadership and themes kept coming up that, gosh, we learned that lesson. So, you know, we wish we, we had information that we wish we had known earlier in our careers that kept coming up for women. So we, we started putting together like the themes of what are these things that are ongoing and seem to be perennial problems for women in, in various industries. And a lot of it's really just not, not having confidence in ourselves and leaning into what our strengths are and picking up habits that keep us back or hold us, back and have self limiting thoughts. So we really focus in the women rising program focuses on helping women. We first do foundations and what are your strengths? And so you understand what you're really good at and stop trying to to fix things that you're not great at you. If you, if it's not a strength of yours, you're probably never going to be great at it. So Mm -hmm. make it good enough to not be a derailer or get in your way, but really focus Mm -hmm. in on what your strengths are. And then we also talk about habits that get in your way. And we use a a book that helps. It's a book study that we do that's really great. Um, So those two things are foundational for the program as a starting point. And then we go into individual coaching. So each person can talk about, you know, what are the things that hold them back or that they think might be getting in their way from elevating or even understanding what it is they want to do with their career. I know for myself, I was on a path that I just happened to navigate and it was great that I got promoted when I did and I moved up the ladder, but I wasn't really intentional about my career when I was starting. And until I went into, I switched from Ford to um, Brasscraft, the plumbing company, I really hadn't, um, hadn't really aspired to be at a higher level of leadership. So I think helping people recognize what they can do earlier in their career and then be intentional about going that direction is really part of the program as well. We, um, we also talk about uh, networking and relationships. We have um, a, a, segment that's on decision-making and owning decisions and the power in, in recognizing choices that you have. And then we, um, we focus on confidence and building confidence and having an elevator speech. And so those are all elements of the program that go along with them. So we have content and workshops and also, um, coaching, individual coaching that goes along with it.
0: Mm -hmm. So I think that's fantastic. Uh, and I don't think the episode has aired yet, but I've had a couple of conversations around women and confidence. And it Mm. seems to be a very prominent subject uh, that has been very consistent the past few months that has, I don't know, it just keeps surfacing. So why do you think that, this is kind of a personal question, but why do you think women Lack confidence. Where do you think it comes from? Do you think it was learned? Do you think it's because they've been like pushed down? Do you think it's fear of rejection? Like what, what do you think the ultimate foundation of the, of lack of confidence is? I'm curious. I think it could be
1: all of those things. And, and the <laughs> yeah. funny thing, and the part that's hard is that for depending on where you are in your career or what, what your circumstances, it could be any one of them it's not always the same for even for the same person. Um, talking to some coaches uh, recently about women and as, especially women as they get promoted, that there's a, there's a drop in confidence and it's anecdotally about 50%. You like lose 50% of your confidence when you go into a new role. And really? I think part, a part of it is that we have this expectation of being an expert and that we know, uh. like you won't put your name in the hat for a job that you don't know that you've got You know, ninety percent of the criteria covered, and most men are like, if they've got ten percent covered, they're good. They're jumping in and saying, "Yeah, I can do that." So I think that we are—it's kind of a nurture thing that we we feel or we've been ingrained to believe that you have to be perfect when you get there, versus giving yourself the grace and space to learn on the role in the role. But I think there's also the fishbowl effect where. You, there aren't so many women leaders. So as you get elevated, people are looking for you. And th- and there are some people who aren't supportive and would like to see you not be successful. So I think that that also comes into play for some, you know, it might have been an experience some people have had. But um, I think overall, we really are our own worst enemies when it comes to confidence And that's one of the things that we we love working with women to help them understand, you know, what is it that's getting in their way and what are they afraid of? And how do you, you know, conquer those demons or dragons and and put yourself in?
0: That's fascinating. I've never heard of that um, stat before about the 50%, like once they get promoted, right? But then I guess I would question, does leadership, allow, I guess it depends on the company, but does leadership allow that woman after, if she only had 30% of the stuff for growth, right? Do they allow that room for growth and for them to adapt and to evolve? Or do they have the expectations that you just get in and have to execute?
1: Well, I think everyone has to execute. I think the companies that have a strong culture for development and they don't just throw people in and see if they sink or swim, you know, they help them out. Some people do, but yeah. Some (laughs) some do, right. So you know the environment you're in. And so I think that's another reason that women often select themselves out of things or won't put their name in the hat for things because they recognize it's a, that dog eat dog environment or, you know, sink or swim. But um, I think there are a lot of companies that are, that are going to a more, I say collaborative approach and supportive when you put people into a new role and particularly in a stretch role, that you've got mentors or buddies that you work with that can help you to navigate things that you've done that you're doing for the first time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's super cool. And I also think it's fantastic that you're doing the strengths finder. So or not strengths finder, but you're Yeah. Um, helping people to totally find used. their strengths. Uh, have you are you? I'm certain that you're familiar with the Marcus Buckingham Strengths Finder stuff. Have you read any of his books or done any of his stuff?
1: Marcus Buckingham, we do the Clifton Strength Finders, but I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, like, I only bring this up because when I was younger in my career, I want to say like 2005, I was in my 20s. Anyway, um, I had learned about the strengths thing and it was probably a huge game changer in my life and so it just always comes back to me like if you're making and it's simple if you're making an a in math and a d in writing focus on the a not the d right like you, you can't be perfect at everything find what you love and do it right but i think oftentimes we're i think old school thinking is you just always got to be fixing the, the lack of, right. But I think a lot of people don't even know what their strengths are.
1: I think you're right. I think that there's a, they might have some clue or some indication of the things that they really like to do that they're great at. But until you get clarity on what your strengths are, it's, um, it's, It's really an underused skill. So I think that we really like to focus on that. And usually, you know, if we've got top five strengths that we focus in on on the program, you can go to the top 10, which is really um, powerful. But the top five is a good starting point. And most people know one or two that they, they can resonate with. But there are others that are there that they that they don't lean on or they don't really capitalize on as strengths. So exposing people to those strengths and then also just exposing people, helping people get clarity on what they want in their life, what they what they aspire to be or do. I think that's really another element from coaching that helps to get um, focus and um, help helps to move people along in their career and Mm -hmm. be more satisfied personally, too.
0: Yeah, then they can achieve even more greatness. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is your motivation?
1: My motivation, actually, this is one of the reasons that the three of us came together. We have a similar motivation. It's really just making a difference. That's uh, one of my primary values for myself and um, in the way I live my life. So to be able to do that through my work is really important to me. And so my motivation for the company is to figure out how to make a difference. And we used to say one liter at a time. And now we say maybe 30 liters at a time. For our <laughs> program.
0: I like it. Yeah. Uh, and what obstacles would you say you've faced starting your company, building your company, and how did you overcome them?
1: Well, I'd say when we started the company, going back to, um, even just deciding to start the company,
0: we had, you know, group, there
1: were a group of eight women that were still continuing to get together and share our ideas. And, um, to decide to partner with people is one thing. We all had our own shingles out at that time. We were working after the, the decision to leave corporate and to jump and do something else was the first big hurdle or big decision for me personally. Um, my partners had both already left their comp- their jobs and started their companies. So I think that first turtle is just making that decision that you want to do something. You know, this really gives me joy and created that spark and a lot of energy. So I wanted to spend more time doing coaching versus, um, versus working in the corporate world. So that was my first, the first decision. And then deciding to work with somebody else um, in partnerships and choosing partners is a really important, that's a, a really key, could make or break you. You know, your partners and your business are just like your partners in life. So it's just like a marriage. You've got to figure out how to work together and and uh so I think that's a one of the things I'd say is an important important consideration for founders is make sure that you've got people that are that are a good fit and a good match for you. Now, we we were really lucky because we um in the program that we got certified through, part of our coaching program was um it's a program called Life Launch and it's now called Life Forward, but it's really a, like a three-day intensive where you're doing deep self-awareness work. So these women were part of that and were, you know, a witness to all of the stuff that I learned, my own self-awareness and, and my path, you know, they weren't like focused on mine, but we all went through right. it together. And so we knew each other from that, that level and actually know each other better than many people, you know, people that have known us all our lives. We know each other better than that and we're coaches. So that helps us also, you know, we recognize when, when our strengths are maybe being overused or over, uh, you know, flexing yeah. into that, or, you know, the things are that we don't like to do. And so, um, so from that perspective, we work really well together, but I would say, you know, a hurdle would be ensuring that you've got people and you've, you've got the right partners for yourself and that you, you work on how are you going to work together? And, you know, at first we all were doing everything together, And so that's uh, not really a good economy of scale or the way that we could manage our business. So recognizing, you know, what things are each of us good at and that we love to do and which things do we not like to do? And then how do you bring people in to help, you know, to support us and choosing the right contractors and the right partners to do certain work for us is really important. I'd say one of, back to one of the early hurdles though, is we really spent a lot of time creating our operating agreement and we did it. We thought we knew how to do it from our research, right? So having had a, getting a lawyer involved with us earlier and giving us a template and saying, answer these questions. And, you know, this would be a framework I think would really have been a, a benefit to us in the early stages would have moved us faster into our, um, into our work. But so I would recommend, you know, looking for those alliances and people that can support founders early in the process is a a really key,
0: a key step. I think that's valuable because you can spin your wheels on those type of agreements. I think that's fantastic. So what do you want your legacy to be?
1: Well, our, you know, it's an interesting question. We I feel like we're um, we're kind of creating our legacy, and it's a ripple effect um, mm-hmm. with the women leaders that we work with, but also with other leaders that we work with that impact their organizations in a new way. So, what um, what would bring me great joy is to and does bring great joy is to get letters from people saying that the either our coaching or the, our program, Women Rising, was instrumental in their growth, in their career, and had them put themselves into positions that they would not have done otherwise had they right. not had that. So. I thought
0: that's so rewarding. I was getting ready to say satisfying, but I'm like, that's not the right word. So rewarding when you hear from those ladies that have gotten promotions mm-hmm. or like taking off, their careers taking off, or their leadership is doing some, the leadership team's doing something great. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's really great. So how can we help you? How can we help you succeed even more?
1: Well, I think that, um, you know, I've listened to your podcast and you've got some powerful women and, and certainly I can't wait to hear the rest of your, your lineup. You've got some a really eclectic group of people you've got collected and investors. And so I think that, um, following us on LinkedIn. Um, that's really where we, we focus our social media. We don't do any other social media. Um, we, but following us or uh, liking our website, we, we update our website and put information out there pretty frequently. If you know people who are looking either for coaching or personal development, I think startup startups really, it's an investment in yourself to have a coach. I think that's a really important element of, of, um, a successful self-care as a, as a founder is, is something that would be a, a place to lean into. So I think that if you know people who are either would benefit from a coach, we have startup coaches. We know if if it's not us, we have a network of, of coaches that could be a great fit for just about any company. And um, I would say... I also, think
0: every founder of a startup <laughs> needs a coach. Right. <laughs> just yeah, thinking how... You know, much you could avoid oh my goodness if you had a coach oh yes
1: i'm sure and also you know i find it interesting that the number of considering an investment because the amount of money that that investors will put toward a product or toward the the company you know investing using that as an investment and coaching as well and having that be something that's considered to go along with with following the money you know it really does help to accelerate performance
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I can send you all kinds of startup uh, founders. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: that's funny. They may not <laughs> realize it, but
1: um. yeah, I think that's the thing. It's hard. To, it's some sometimes if it's a sell. If you've that's the thing that our business really isn't a sell business. It's a an, it's an opportunity business. We we do most of our marketing through word of mouth and networking and referrals because mm-hmm. it's people who've had success that want, you know, that tell that share the story. And that's really, it's it's a, it's really great for us. Um, but people who haven't experienced coaching don't know what they don't know, you know, they don't know how it can help to really accelerate growth and performance. So, mm-hmm. so hopefully, you know, I, I like here find,
0: yeah, I always find I've had one business coach, but I've also had like, a couple of spiritual coaches, you know, whatnot, Mm -hmm. but I found that regardless of what kind of coaching it is and correct me if I'm wrong or if you see this, but I find that it is eye opening from all perspectives of my life. Like it may not be going in on a personal level. It may be business, but it always uncovers some root of something personally and vice versa. Like if I go in For personal coaching of some sort, life coach, whatever you want to call it, it always uncovers some type of business avenue or some untouched component that opens doors from a work standpoint. I don't know. I feel like it's kind of full circle in life. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Because, I mean, these leadership things, it can be applicable in probably every aspect of their lives, right? Right.
1: It really is. Yeah. I think that what's really interesting is when you, when you asked, what do people come to coaching for most of the time, what they come for isn't what ends up being worked on (laughs) because it does open up other things or you think that this is what I need to get better at. And as you dig deeper and find out so why is it that those things happen or that's in your way? It really is something else. It's a, it's, it is more holistic. And yeah. if you're coaching and it really doesn't impact you outside of just the work environment, you're probably not going deep enough. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's like peeling the onion, right? Like yeah. layers by layers. Yeah. It's fascinating to me. Anyway, well, I so appreciate you joining us today. And yes. I'm excited to spread the word about the Women Rising program. I think that's awesome. And any founders, out there that are listening any business leaders out there that may be at a point where they're stuck or they're they need some self-enlightenment or need to advance their career by all means uh connect with dawn at bench strength coaching she's awesome and she's got a wealth of knowledge as well as team members so i really do appreciate your time and for you sharing your story Thank you so much. I do have like just one other thought on, you know,
1: from the founder journey, um, specifically, you know, often, um, often we think that we, and one of the things that a lot of women that we coach feel like um, that we're the only ones that are going through this experience. So I think that's one of the great things about your podcast is you're Mm -hmm. exposing women to that you're normalizing you're the experience and yeah. you're, you're not alone. Right. But I think it's important really to make sure, especially as an individual founder to like find a tribe and get your people and whether it's advisors or mentors, and don't think you have to hire all of those out of this shoot, you know, or you can surround yourself with people so that you can soak up their knowledge. And, and people, if you ask are really willing to help. And if they aren't, it's not about you. They're not dismissing you. It sh- might just be that they don't have the time. So right. I think, i um, offering to make sure that you sp- spend that time to find the tribe and then also deciding what your goals, your individual goals are. So you're you're setting your objectives and your work off of what is most important to you, not what you think everyone else thinks you should be doing. I think that's a really important element of of. Um, in the founder world for us, it's really been important for us to identify what is it that we, what are we really in business for and how do we want to operate our lives and using that as our, as our boundaries and a foundation.
0: I think that's a very valid point. And I know from experience that founders tend to lose their vision or their objective, especially when you go for funding, because you get a lot of chirping and a lot of people that think that you need to do it this way you need and it it, sometimes it's really hard to stay in that clarity zone of like Mm -hmm. what your goal is because you're just getting inundated with a bunch of stuff but definitely on the tribe thing I totally agree there are a lot of solo founders that I've spoken with actually on the show as well that um, as a solo founder it's one of the hardest things I think is being a solo founder uh, mm-hmm. being on your own and finding a tribe so and and what a, I also just to add to that point if you're a founder and you need to find a tribe women are more likely to share and help than men in general. I'm not trying to single them out. There are helpful ones out there, but women just have this natural, innate thing that they're like, oh, well here, try this. Like if you sit in a circle and there's 25 women and you ask, do you know anybody? I guarantee you'll get at least 25 responses of help.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's just one of the the differences in, in the nature versus nurture kind of thing that we we focus in on that on our program too, and we we also then on the flip side don't ask for help very often, right? But if you think about how how you feel, it gives it gives women joy to help other people. So we, we try to encourage people to to ask for help because you're giving an opportunity for someone else to be able to help you and give them that joy.
0: Absolutely, and yeah. it never hurts to ask,
1: right? No, no. The worst thing that could happen is not you're in the yep. same spot you are, right? <laughs> right, <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, do you have anything else that you would like to share?
1: I don't. Um, I don't think so. But thank you so much for letting me share a little bit about what we do and a little bit about what coaching could do for for individuals. I think. Well, actually, one one thing you said in that last moment about founders and being alone and and feeling like you're on, you're alone. You know, a lot of leaders that are at at upper levels of companies also have that same feeling. So if they're jumping off and starting founders, starting businesses, they're used to being alone. So they don't think about reaching out to others. So I think uh, the work you're doing and connecting people or exposing people to other founders that they can connect with is really great work. Oh, thank thank you.
0: I appreciate that. I hope, I hope my goal is just to help people. So they don't feel alone because it's a lonely road and it's mm-hmm. hard yeah it's not easy
1: yeah. yeah so yeah let us know if there's anything we can do to support and help the and I appreciate you yeah. putting our links and connections absolutely. you know?
0: absolutely by the time this is all said and done you may have like a hundred female entrepreneurs needing coaching <laughs> 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 well, we've
1: got a lot of coaches in the wings ready to join. So that'd be great.
0: All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and have a wonderful day. Enjoy so the much, sunshine Brooke. in Florida. All right. Thanks so much, Brooke. Take All right, care. Take care. Oh, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Wild Feather. Be authentic, be limitless, and love yourself.